Hola, hola. It's your girl, Erica, from America. Welcome to the Confidence Chronicles podcast. This podcast is all about helping you stand in who you are. Stop giving a fuck what people think about you. Start standing as your fully expressed self. As you are, as is, there is no filter needed. You are fucking awesome, and I am here to remind you. I'm a confidence coach, and I'm a bold stand for confidence, and I cannot wait to dig into today's episode with you. My darling, today on the podcast, we have gorgeous Bronnie Ware. She is an international best-selling author of the top five regrets of the dying. This woman is a powerhouse. You are going to gain all of the knowledge on touching and tuning into your intuition, how to listen to that inner voice and quiet the noise externally, what the mistakes in her business taught her about growing this incredible company. She's literally sold millions of books. She's been interviewed by Marie Forleo, uh, Martini. She knows Wayne Dyer. I mean, rest in peace, Dr. Dyer. When I met this gorgeous human being uh, this year, 2021, I met her at a conference, sat next to her and just was in awe of her presence. She's so humble, so beautiful, so incredibly um, giving and optimistic and inspiring in her calm essence that she creates around her. She's going to share some tangible things and beautiful and important questions that you can ask yourself if you want to tap into your inner intuition and if you're wanting to connect deeper with your creativity. I cannot wait for you to listen to this episode. Please be sure to tag me and Brawny if you share this on the socials. Without further ado, here is my beautiful and incredible conversation with best-selling author Brawny Ware. Brawny Ware, welcome to the podcast, my love. I am so stoked to be here, Erica. I really am. I wish I could be so excited about every single interview I do. Yours is extra special. We love each other. That's why anybody listening here, we are dear friends. I'm, I met gorgeous Bronnie uh, recently at a conference that we attended. And it was so funny because the universe sat me right next to you. And you were so lovely and had really calm, nice energy. And I'm like, I need this because I'm so hyper right now. <laughs> And then hearing about you and knowing who you were, and I'm like, oh my God, I read your book and I love you and you're her. And it was this kind of full circle fangirl, but but realistic fangirl moment of, of being with you, meeting you, having read your book and, and heard about you and then watching you on stage. I was just like, oh my God, I'm in awe of this woman. So thank you for being oh, here. I, I felt the same warmth straight away. I remember just looking at you and all in your denim with your funky <laughs> shoes. And, and I said, oh, I love you. Look at you. I love all of you. And, and I often think back to a, um, a quote that I don't know who said it, but I actually say it to my daughter sometimes as well, that your friends know you uh, more in the moment they meet you than your acquaintances will know you in a lifetime. Aww. And that was how I felt. Like I just felt, Aww. oh, I'm, I'm totally at home here with this sister. Yeah. Oh, I love you. It was, what was it? It was the cheetah print boots. That's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love at first sight. Yeah. Um, so you have had an incredible, amazing life, career, uh, business that you've built. You've got a beautiful daughter, a single mama. Yeah. Um, 
you've just done so much in your lifetime. Let, um, let us know for those listening, just tuning in, getting to know your world, you know, what brought you to what you do now and, and the work that you're doing in the world. I think the pain of doing the wrong jobs brought me to where I am now. <laughs> I uh, got a job in banking. I, I went into a bank in my local town and uh, two weeks before I finished school and said I'd want to move to Sydney, get out of the country town, and uh, scored a job down in, in Sydney and ended up on this pathway of quite an accelerated banking career. Uh, because I was really restless and I moved around a lot, I worked for all different sorts of banks and I was nomadic and I'd moved to a different town and uh, and then I'd just go into each bank and say, have you got any jobs? And they'd say, well, we've got this job. And I'd say, well, yeah, I haven't really done that, but I've done this. I could do that. And so I ended up as a bank manager at a really young age. And, uh, yeah, but I hated it. I, I loved customer <laughs> service. I loved the, the mathematics side of it. I, I love numbers. But I didn't love uh, banking was changing where you had to sell insurance to every certain every single person that came in or uh, you know sell them superannuation. I just didn't want to do that, and so I did a number of other jobs. And then one day I was sitting by the Swan River in Perth. I was living over there by then, and I had Shakti Gawain's book that said um, a creative visualization. And it said, make a list of five things you're good at and five things you love. And the only two things that fell into both were, um, counting money. And, uh, <laughs> and, I and I knew that wasn't making me happy in my career. And the other one was photography and writing. And I just sort of thought, dare I be one of those creative people? Like I was on the corporate path and, I never saw myself as creative, even though my mother was a singer, my father was a guitarist when they met, my father was also a radio announcer, but then he was also an accountant and my mother was a dietitian. And so we had this creative side, but it was never as the main job. Mm -hmm. And so I just started on my path then and really tried to get going creatively and in the frustration of trying to make a living that way, took on a live-in job as a carer and uh, ended up in palliative care for eight years. I just wanted a job that this is what I put out, the order I put out. Um, I want to be myself, no high heels, no stockings, no corporate <laughs> uniform. That was that was yeah. all I needed and I ended up in palliative care. And wow. so from that, you know, I looked after dying people for eight years and then I wanted to work where there was some hope and so with no qualifications and no idea what I was doing, I managed to set up a songwriting program in a women's jail and I taught songwriting in a women's jail for a year after that and then I burnt out really, really yeah. big time. And during the time with um, palliative, uh, in the prison I started a blog and, uh, and just kept blogging away and once I burnt out and I, I went through a, a really hard period of depression and pretty got really close to killing myself um as I was coming out of that and just said to life okay I'm bored I'm sick of being sad I'm sick of I've done so much work on myself but you know I need to move forward and I've done everything I can that's when my a blog that I'd written six months earlier took off about the regrets dying people had shared with me and that led to a book deal uh which got rejected 25 times, which then led me to putting it out independently. And then about four or five months later, uh, 
um, from when when it first got rejected about a year and a bit later, but four months after the independent release of the top five regrets of the dying came out, um, while I was in labour, um, my <laughs> book took off. Yeah. <laughs> I was becoming a first-time mum at 45. Um, really blessed to conceive naturally and quickly. I just, um, mm-hmm. but I had left the relationship when I was pregnant. So um, yeah, so here I was, a single mum, about to about to become a, a mum for the first time at forty five, and and I'm doing interviews from my hospital bed, mm-hmm. um, and just sent out a really strong prayer and said, or it was more of a demand really, and just said, send me help now. It had taken 14 years to become an overnight success, like 14 years from when I started, when I made that list on the Swan, by the Swan River, I'd started trying to sell my photography and inspirational quotes. This is all before the internet. And I'd spent a few, I sort of jumped that bit, I'd, I'd spent a few years trying to get an inspirational book um, published yeah. and that led to the picking up the guitar, writing songs, which led on, on and on. And uh, so no steps were wasted but... I was ready to quit. 14 years of really focused commitment to try and get going in the creative field as a self-employed person. And, yeah, within 24 hours of my daughter being born, my dream publishing house, Hay House, rang up and offered me an international publishing contract and uh, Five Regrets became their, and still is their fastest foreign rights seller in Hay House history and went into 32 languages <laughs> within about six months. It's like, oh. Cool. Millions okay. of copies all over the world. Yes, yeah. Wow. So here I am. Yeah, and that just sort of put me on a much healthier path to be to be able to work from home and be an author and not be dragging a guitar to gigs at ten o'clock at night as an introvert playing in <laughs> pubs where the drunks are just watching the boxing on the yeah. on the wall, <laughs> you know, and turning around checking out, you know, the, the chick on stage every now and then. <laughs> Thank goodness those uh, days are behind me. Yeah. It's it's such a fascinating, like we could do 75 podcast episodes on all of that. The listeners yeah, are like, oh my gosh. And this is a thing that when I when I met you, I felt like this beautiful calmness about you. And you are, like you said, you're an introvert, you're very chilled, you live a beautifully chilled life with your daughter. And you know, you're not it's just really lovely to see that. And then when you read your books and and read your blogs and hear your stories, you're like, wow, like, oh my goodness, all the questions, you know, what do you feel when you were in that mode when you were like, because you're in about to have a baby or having a baby, actually, you're birthing yes. two babies at once. Yes. And, you know, the whole thing about being a mom and, and, and doing that as a single mother, like, again, honor you, all of single mothers out there. My mom was a single mother oh. and it's, I was so in awe of her. You know, I remember saying to her when I was seven years old, like, mom, I hope that I have a daughter and it's just me and her. And she's like, no, no, you don't want that. I'm like, no, I want that. Like, this is so fun. Like, this is awesome. You know, so high five to you, single mamas out there listening to this. But how did you feel coming into this new world of motherhood, which is its own journey, and then about to birth your book with your dream publishing house? How did you navigate that whole experience? Oh, it was it was pretty intense because I also got rheumatoid arthritis at the same time. Wow. Yeah, so <laughs> there was a bit going on. All three at once. <laughs> um, yeah, I just I felt grateful that I had a publisher now because I just forwarded all the emails to them yeah. and they just looked after so much for me and I'd been doing it on my own for a long time. So 
I felt grateful, but I think more than anything, I was just in survival mode and yeah. grateful that I'd had a healthy baby, even though my, it was a bit much for my body and I was going through some pretty big learning there. I just tried to stay in gratitude and and I really just had to surrender into it all because it was so far out of my control what was happening that all I could do was get through one day at a time and uh, and when you are that present, you can't help but be grateful even if yeah. your hands are on fire or whatever else. <laughs> you can sort of find when, when you're fully present, you notice that it's a beautiful day, you notice that the sun's shining, you notice that, you know, your baby is a miracle and everything mm-hmm. else and it was pretty intense, you know, that that first year Um Particularly when about a year late, about a year into it, my publisher said, "How are you getting on with your next book?" And I was like, "What, yeah. what next book?" You know, um, that was pretty tricky. Um, but at the same time, with that, with with that success, I was able to buy a house, and I'd been very nomadic and restless, and having a baby to provide for meant that I had to just get very grounded and and it just brought out, it really did birth that mother in me and the caretaker for my daughter and in doing so it also helped me see my own potential because I had to rise and and I want, or, or not just had to, I wanted to. Mm. I wanted to be, um, it, it was just an instinctive thing. Okay, I've got to provide a house now. We need to, we need to have a bit of settled life and everything else and and the fact that I rose to that still still blows me away I even this morning I said to Eleanor she's nine now and I said to her you know I wake up every morning and it's just a white ceiling above the bed but I just think I can't believe I'm doing this that we have this sweet little house that I'm supporting us in this amazing life we've got and that I'm not doing it with a partner, that it's just me as one woman and I have done all this. And I said, I just feel so grateful. And and then I turn it to her always and say, and that you turned out so incredible (laughs) that you're you're so much more special than I ever imagined a child could be. And, yeah, and I do. I, I wake up every day and I just think, I cannot believe I've pulled this off. And so I think it's taken me a long time to get to that point where I could actually own it. Yeah. And and that's really coming into me now. So yeah, it's it's been a bit of a ride. <laughs> yeah, what a journey. I'm thinking like Bronnie as a banker, as a bank manager. And then what in that time when you were there, obviously the universe just hooks us up, doesn't it? Takes us on this roller coaster and yes. puts the paths and the people. But Going from that to what was your lesson there? Going from there thinking, I'm going to make it, I'm going to do this thing, I'm going to hustle, I'm going to work and go to the top, and then realizing that's not what I want and, and moving into this space of creativity and honoring that, as you say, that your family had both sides, which I think is so yes. cool because you obviously do as well. How, how was that transition? Was there anything there that happened or that went my aha moment to shift well, yeah, I went and my sister and I went and did a scuba diving course on Fitzroy Island in North Queensland. Oh, nice. And while she was off bonking the diving instructor, <laughs> which helped us pass our tests very well. Yes. <laughs> Thank um, you, sister. <laughs> yeah, I, I did a big walk up to the top of the mountain and I was sitting up there and I thought, I want to live on an island. Wow. And so I left banking 
by going and living on Dunk Island um, as a dishwasher initially and then I trained in the bar mixing cocktails. So I lived on on a tropical island for two years and that helped me extract myself from the nine-to-five corporate life and to realise, okay, there's a different life here that's possible, Mm. um, which is, you know, then I went to England and worked in pubs and stuff and that led to me living as a carer for someone. So it was all, all aligned. But I feel very, very grateful for the banking time because I don't think I'm the best author out there. In fact, I know I'm not. Um, But I've got my head together with my books Mm. and I really think that that is a a bit of a downfall for a lot of very talented creative people that some of them never play their songs outside of their lounge room because they can't get their act together with the business side of it and I, you know, I still have my weaknesses in certain aspects of business and that's why I hire other people for for those areas where I'm not strong. But a lot of areas I'm very strong in business. And so I think just having that that mind that understands systems and numbers so clearly has helped me enormously in actually being successful because it means I'm very organised in my business I'm very efficient in how I run it. Um, I also don't overcomplicate it. I don't mm. take on systems unless I really need them. And there's been times I've I've grown and I've got new systems in place only to realise I actually just liked the simpler original system mm. and I've gone back to that that mailing provider or I've gone back to that back-end system. Yeah. Um, and I think that those 15 years that I worked in banking, I think they played a really important role in that, in helping me discern from what works for me compared to what other people think I should be doing or what other people are doing. Mm. And that's a massive lesson. And I love that because I feel like when I read your book, The Top Five Regrets, one of them was like, not caring so much what anyone thinks about you and, and really guiding your own life. And it sounds like maybe you've always had an inner knowing or an intuition that when you were on that mountain, you're like, yep, I'm going to go. Cause like going from banking to like, I'm going to wash dishes. Like a lot of people like, how did you make that flip? Like that's a big shift and change and ego hit almost for some people. But did you feel like maybe you always had this like inner guiding intuition that you listened to, or you started to tap into? I, it's always been there, but I think in the early days, like I, it absolutely guides me now, but in the early days I think the only time I really honoured it was by knowing what I didn't want, not what yeah. I did want. Yeah. And so I knew that I didn't want to work Monday to Friday, 9 to 5. I used to see people come into the bank and they weren't in work clothes and I think, what do they do? What, how how yeah. are they? They've got money in their bank. I could see their bank account. You know, <laughs> they've got money in the bank, but they're out today and it's sunny and they're not in under fluorescent lights with no windows. Like, what are the, how are they doing it? So I'd, I'd already started working out what I didn't want. And yeah, I just sold up all my stuff and or put some in a storage uh, in my fa- father's shed on the farm. And um, and I just wrote to two islands, the, the one I'd been on and another one that looked like a good location. That's the one I ended up on and said, I'll do anything. Wow. You know, I'm free, I'm on my way, I'll do anything. And it was before the internet and uh, and I caught the train. I started and took a couple of days out near Rockhampton and, and, and went yes. over there to, the, to Great Keppel and, 
and had a look there and rang my mum from the phone box and, and she said, oh, Dunk Island have got in touch. They want you to ring them. They've got a job for you. It's like, oh, cool, okay, that's where I'm going. All right. Oh, my God. Talk I was about already on my way. <laughs> yeah. I'll be there in five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So you've obviously you've built an incredible business. I love that you touch on you know, knowing your numbers and knowing how to be savvy in business. And when we met, we were just like talking all the things business. Um, and it was so amazing. And it still is amazing to watch you as a mentor and as someone who I see as a big leader in the space of, you know, owning your business, like killing it with your book, getting it out there, reaching as many people as possible and and living simply because we talk about this offline a lot. I love we have small house, yes. little, no things, you know, I'm not about Gucci and no offense. If you like Gucci, go ahead and do it. But you know, it's, it's really simplifying things in, and you've done that so masterfully. What do you feel like, um, when you look out into the world and you see, I work with a lot of women and women listen to this podcast, women and money, like the, 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 the issue that we have with creating or understanding numbers or avoiding that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, I just want to give you a bit of credit here. In that first conversation, I was pumping you with a lot of questions. So <laughs> you're, you're actually <laughs> speaking and building me up, but I was actually pumping you with loads of questions. So listeners, you know, take, take that on. Um, okay, women and money, we need, we need to face it. Uh, absolutely, we need to face it. The way I see it, and this is how I healed my money story, is that I start, I see money as a feminine energy that wants to dance with us. Oh, love that. Yeah, and as a friend that wants to be there. And so I try really hard not to dictate to money how it should show up but just to appreciate its presence in my life and its trust in me. So when I first had success with Five Regrets, I'd never had money before and I blew a lot of it and I... I mean, I blew a lot of it on very comfortable travel and I don't regret that, especially now that we can't even leave the country. Um, I did a lot of work trips that probably didn't need to be done as in-person trips to Europe and, and whatever, but I did it anyway. And like I say, I don't regret it whatsoever. But I also lent people money. I gave money away to friends Um and I'm not talking loads because I, I wasn't that cashed up. But, uh, you know, a friend was whinging that he couldn't afford a new microphone and he'd been really kind to me in my singer-songwriter days. So I gave him a grand for a microphone. Yeah. And another friend was trying to buy a car. So I offered her money in exchange for weekly massages. She paid it off through weekly massages to me. So that, you know, that was a self-care commitment as well. Yeah. But the things I was doing weren't actually kind to me and Eleanor. They weren't putting things in place for our future. They were looking after everyone else instead of us. And then I actually went through a bit of a dry spell because I only get paid every six months. And, um, yeah, so I had some really big learning to do before I actually got it flowing in again to me. And uh, and when it flowed in again, it, I treated it with so much more respect and appreciation and love and yeah, and, and that's when it's sort of trusted me again and said, okay, I'll, I'll come back into your world. But I think as women, um, whether, it's, whether it's conscious or not, there is all, of, often that thing that a guy will save you. Yeah. Um, and even the most conscious, you know, someone who's doing personal growth big time and everything else, 
you still have to acknowledge that that was the culture and at some point you're going to have to unpack that. And so for me, I'm really blessed because I'm my daughter's father hasn't contributed financially. I've never asked him to either because when he didn't, I just thought, okay, I'll just get on with it. So I've had to provide for us, which sort of puts me in the in the masculine and the feminine all the time. But it's also made me really get my act together in, in a very healthy way, not only to provide for my daughter but to set up my own future and to make sure we live a very comfortable, enjoyable life. Mm. And even, you know, yesterday when I left that message for you, we were out having an ice cream because you can't get out of your car and go anywhere. But yeah. thankfully in lockdown here, ice creams are essential. So ice cream <laughs> shops are open. Work that one out. Can't get your hair cut, but you can get an ice cream. Uh, and, and you can go to a brothel, okay? So ice yeah. cream and brothels, apparently. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Eleanor had insisted on shouting the ice creams. And so I said to her, thank you for this. I said, it's really good that you get to know that money is for not just for things but for experiences too. I said, so here we are. We're sitting in the car looking at the ocean. We're eating ice cream. Mm. This is an experience that money has bought us thanks to your generosity, you know, and, you know, because she wanted to pay. She just insisted on paying. Mm. And uh, this is pretty cute for a nine-year-old. pretty beautiful. What a great lesson that you gave her. Yeah, so I think, you know, the main thing is to trust that money is an energy and it's on our side and it actually wants to be celebrated and enjoyed, but it wants to be respected as well. Mm -hmm. And so by denying it and not actually bringing your consciousness to your figures, to your numbers and everything else and not really just keeping your head in the sand a little bit, is not only disrespectful to the money that wants to flow to you, but it's not kindness to yourself because money wants to flow to you so you can have an easier life and we've, we've got to have money. It's, it's a currency, you know, an energy currency. So I, I think if you can look at it from a point of respect of money and of self-kindness to yourself, then you actually say, okay, I'm going to bring a bit more awareness to my finances now. Oh, my gosh. I think people are going to rewind that part of this podcast because (laughs) so many of us have an issue with this. And uh, I remember speaking to women in my mastermind about it and they just don't want to look at it. Some of them are just like, I don't I don't know. I don't know my numbers. I don't know. And it's like this cute thing. And it's like, it's not cute, ladies. Like, you know, let's not wait for anyone to come save us, whether it's a financial planner or your man or your, you know, your partner or your dad. It's really a responsibility, as you say, that we all have and what we're able to create. I mean, you're giving you're giving your daughter a, a role model. You're giving her an experience like I wish. Imagine learning that lesson as a nine year old mm-hmm. to anybody listening like your generosity is going to buy an experience like what? Like you saved it. You, you chose consciously how to spend it. And now you're creating a memory with your family member from it. Like that is a, a deep lesson as a nine-year-old. Yes. Yeah. And wow. I think also for people to remember that we grow into it. It's, yeah. um, you know, there was a quote by Josie Bissett that I, I read in 1996 and it always stayed with me. And it's that dreams come a size too big so we can grow into them. Oh, and, I love that. Which, which I love. Yeah. And so even with our money story, we grow into it. So get to know this part of your business first and you don't need to know it all in the first month. Like just bring awareness and mindfulness to it and open your mind and your heart to mastering this one step at a time. You don't need to know it all right now, which is what may scare a lot of people off, that it's 
there's too much to learn. So you just start. You just start mm-hmm. learning. And then as you master each step of that money journey, you make your mistakes. I've made mine. We've all made them. Yeah. And then you you just learn by that and get on with it. And yeah. And you don't need to know it all, but you do need to bring your mindfulness to it. Hey, 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 this is a little intermission from me to you. I just really quickly wanted to invite you to pretty please head over to thequeenofconfidence.com forward slash podcast. If you are enjoying this podcast, I would love for you to review it. Let me know what you think. I love honest opinions. It helps more women reach this podcast. So pretty please head over to thequeenofconfidence.com forward slash podcast or go to Apple iTunes and leave me a beautiful little review. I would love and appreciate it. All right, sister, let's get back to the episode. It feels like every step of personal development, you know, and so many people listening to this podcast love personal development. And it's like, you, you can't work on something that you have no awareness of. So, you know, I guess for you, and and you've talked about hiring people when you're, when you're not great in certain areas or, you know, being good at what you're good at and, and hiring out those that you're not. And I think with this specific topic is a great place to go, Hey, I'm going to get myself here, but now the next step, I might need some support for that. Yeah. And also if you're going to grow, you have to get support at some stage. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm a smart, intelligent woman. I'm a capable woman. I can do it all. Yeah. Um, but a lot of it will take me a lot of time that I could be doing on things that bring me joy. And a lot of it won't be done as well as someone else could do it. Also known as Facebook ads. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> High five. They're so convoluted. God. Yeah. So uh, we do need help. We need to build our team and it can start with just outsourcing two hours a week for this area or whatever it takes until you you're in that position where you can take on a proper assistant or or whatever but yeah I think that was probably one of my biggest mistakes for a long time in trying to do it all myself and then I took on a VA for a year I had I've had one VA who's worked with me for a long time but then I took on a PA for about a year I was supposed to be long term but um she had a personal problem with someone I knew and we couldn't find a peaceful solution and and she quit and so when I replaced her I took on an amazing woman and I gave her as much responsibility as she wanted and and she just ran with it she was just a dream assistant but then she had a personal crisis of her own Mm. and couldn't work for me and offered to train someone else up and I said no and I had to then I realised I didn't know some aspects of my business because I had given her so much responsibility that I didn't know how to operate one of the programs we were using. And so from that I just cut the business right back to basics again and then I grew it with a lot more mindfulness instead of um, growing too fast too soon, doing it in a way, okay, I've tried that way, I've handed it all over I'm actually better at this than she was. She's better at me at this than I was. And then working out where are my strengths, where are my joys, what do I actually want to focus on yeah. and what can I outsource even though they're things I could do. Oh, I love this. This is such a great and important topic 
because I think you're right. We get really excited. And when we all start in our business, we're like the one woman band, you know, we're playing yes. the music, we're singing, we're mixing at the back, we're up in the crowd, you know, like exhausting yourself. <laughs> you're like, I'm also the dancer and I'm also going to serve you food on the intermission. You know, it's like, <laughs> there's so much happening. Yes. Um, and I know for us, we did the same thing, Bron. We were, we had one of our team members doing everything. And then I felt bad that I was doing it to her because it was like this burnout that we're all experiencing. And um, yes. similarly, we had someone who we paid a lot of money, Australian dollars to, who was looking after something that I had no idea about. And I actually was like, that's too hard. I have no idea. She knows better. And it wasn't too hard and she didn't know better. And she was putting out fires with me and I was starting fires and she was just putting them out. And that's not a great way to run your business. You know, yeah. um, it was, it's fun, you know, starting fires. And I think she was caught up in our flame, you know, I was like, yeah, but really expensive lessons. And I think that again, it's beautiful to share these mistakes because I think when you're hiring someone and starting to build your team and build your big vision and your company, it's such a, a major problem to, again, feel like you lack in an area. And instead of learning what the lack is, you just kind of pay someone else and, and almost like numb out and don't worry about it until it comes back and hits you. <laughs> yeah. And even though it's your business, you sort of hand over the responsibility in a way yeah, yeah. Um, because you want to trust the person you're paying and everything else. But uh, but they're human and they're under your guidance. Yeah. 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 Um, and if we don't know, no. we're blind. Yeah, it's true. A hundred percent. It's such a big thing. And I think to anyone who's tuning into this and thinking about this, you know, maybe you're in the beginning of your business and you're not ready for a team member, but as you're saying, Bron, it's good to know what it is that you need. What do you love doing? You know, what do you, what are you great at? And what are you not so great at that you can kind of hand over to someone yes. else? Who can support yeah. You? Even in small doses to start with. Yeah. And what I've also learned through my plenty of mistakes is that <laughs> The things that I love the most are the things that actually make me the most money. Mm-hmm. And so if I want to spend all my time doing stuff that doesn't make me as much money, it's taken me away from not only my joy of, of creating because I'd much rather I'm, I'm at my best when I'm creating, um, you know, and that's so my books make me more money than than lots of other things. I was doing mentoring, but I didn't want to. I don't feel like I can't do what you do and you do it so brilliantly. Like you you lead and you hold that space for women and, you know, you, you lead them all the way through. That's not who I am. I yeah. want to create and I want to say this is how I live my life. This is how I do it. If you want to do it the same way, I reckon it will help you, but I can't hold your hand doing that yeah. because I actually want to go off and create something else now. Yeah. And I so it, it took me a long time to learn that and I was – Doing mentoring, I was having a lot of success with it. I also opened a membership when my publisher asked me to. They sort of were encouraging all the their authors, you know, they've got a very abundant mindset. And so they were sort of like, you know, do courses, do memberships. We want our, our authors to thrive through all different income streams. And I did a membership and it it was beautiful. Like I, I had a, a beautiful connection with my my um, participants, my, my members, but, oh, my goodness, it was such a weight of responsibility yeah. that yeah. just didn't light me up. I, I just And when I closed that and just created an online course that is there for anyone anytime they want it, the course was a breeze to create because I already knew all the content. Yeah. And it's basically saying these are the tools I use to live 
a life that's going to be free of regret. But, you know, this is how I do it. And so if people do the course and it helps them, I'm stoked. And it does help them. It helps a lot of people and it's a nice feeling. But what lights me up the most and what makes me the most money is writing books or doing stuff that is honouring my creativity. Mm. And so, like, right now I'm back to being a beginner because I'm writing my first fiction book and I've... Yeah, I've never <laughs> written a novel. I've never never learned how to write. I've published three successful books, but wow. with fiction, they're all everyone's trying to tell me there's all these rules and as a rule follower, it's like <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I'm not a rule follower. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, um but I think that's the thing to tune into is okay, are you you know, are you honouring where your joy is or are you following a path that you think you should do? And I've done both. And I know Mm. the difference in the long run in terms of my inner peace and my happiness, but also in terms of of the money that comes back to you. Yeah. And I love that when I met you, one of the biggest things when we were chatting was your boundaries. Like you have really good boundaries now. And maybe Mm. back in the day you didn't. And anybody listening to this who's like, I suck at boundaries, you know, it's a muscle that we build through our mistakes that we make and through our experiences. But I, I give my I take my crown off to you because you're really great at that and you know your genius zone and what you love and where you want to be and and not so much just for your daughter but for yourself so that you can flourish and and you can rest when you need to and where do you feel or do you feel like you developed this boundary was there someone who helped you or um, was this something that you just learned along through the mistakes I think it's one of the blessings of living with disease Um, it taught me it took it has taught me self self self-kindness on a level that nothing else could have. And boundaries are a part of self-kindness, that I deserve my love just as much as everyone else deserves my love, that I'm just as worthy as everyone else. And also being so sick as I was, I like I still live with disease, but I'm it's managed a lot a lot better than it was in those first few years, holy dooly. (laughs) But it taught me presence and I don't want to miss a bit of sunshine in the day. And if it's an especially nice day, I want to be able to have that flexibility to go outside and enjoy it or get on my bike and go for a ride or something. So what I, so when I, one of the big lessons, there was that with the disease. The other thing was that when I was trying to get going as a singer songwriter, I'd apply for festivals to play at festivals and stuff. And I did eventually get into some small folk festivals, but I wasn't a very confident performer, not like I am as a speaker now. I Mm. I was a different person then and a lot shyer and didn't want to really be there. I had a message to share. I loved that, but I, yeah, anyway. Um, But I didn't hear back from a lot of places. And in my old, in the old days with me, when you used to apply for a job, you always heard back and stuff like that. So when I applied to get into festivals, I often didn't hear back. So I made this deal with myself that if I ever became successful, I would always be kind enough to reply to people who had written to me. And that Mm. was a really lovely intention. But as success grew, it just became ridiculous. And (laughs) yeah, and so I was paying my assistant to reply to people, just answering all their questions. And what it was actually doing was taking money. I was paying her mm-hmm. when it could have been money for Eleanor and I 
for my daughter and I. And so I was paying her to be kind to everyone else, but it wasn't actually kind to myself, I realised. So what I ended up doing was writing a really clear frequently asked questions page and our emails dropped 80%. 80%, which just shows how much time we were spending on being kind to other people at the sacrifice of our own of my own kindness to myself. Mm. And so those two things, like realizing, okay, I'm spending way too much time and money on paying someone else to reply to these questions. And you know, and and it's not kind to myself to do that. And then also having limitations with the disease and wanting to keep my energy in a in a good place. And so, yeah, I mean, my frequently asked questions page answers a lot of questions yeah, without it really does. having. Yeah. It's yeah. a great hack that you share. So thank you for your, yes. thank you for sharing that because if you haven't checked it out, obviously her, her info is going to be in the show notes, but it actually, it's true. When you start looking at um, the, the other side of the things that cause us burnout, you know, you, you start automating and you start, I love that you're also saying, and to anybody listening to this, you know, I always say like, I try to answer all my DMs and my friends, my other friends who are coaches and and influencers are like, Erica, you're not going to get to get to everyone. And I'm like, well, I want to because I got a good heart and I love talking to people. But the reality is uh, maybe like six months ago, I just started scrolling through and I'm like, shit, I can't freaking answer any of these people. And it used to really bother me and like give me a stomachache and make me mean all kinds of things that I mean, I don't care, you know, and then I just... Finally, I'm like, I just can't, you know, and that's okay. Like I, I want to, and I want people to know that I want to, and that's enough. And I don't have to, because it actually, you're right. It isn't kind to yourself. It isn't realistic. You know, look at oh. Oprah. She never replies to a DM and you can say she's mean or she's out there changing the world. And there's a lot of stuff she's doing. And that's why she can't reply to your message, you know? Um, and yeah. I think it's, yeah, it's a, it's a gift to self. It really is. Yeah, and Brene Brown apparently says a similar thing that she, when she thinks, am I going to give my time to this or not, she asks, is it supporting the work, meaning the work she's here to do? Yeah. Is this use of my time really going to support the work or is it going to distract me and take my time away from the work, you know, what you're really here to do? It sounds like you would have to have an inner knowing that the work you're doing, the books you're writing, the the courses you've created, the content that is out in the world is going to that end result in that vision that you have set to have. And almost anything else could be a distraction or a uh, a shiny object that takes you off course. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's been times where I thought, oh, I haven't really earned enough for what I could right now, you know, and and then I think, oh, maybe I should do this or should do that and I could do this and I could do that. And even, you know, since I've known you and we had conversations at the start and then I actually pulled it right back and thought, no, what yeah. people want from me is stuff around the five regrets um, and what I want to do is, you know, grow and create. So they're the things I'm going to serve the most rather than um, all the things I could do. And I don't blame or judge anyone for doing stuff just to make money because we've got to make money. And I'm in a privileged position that I happen to write a book that seems to be timeless. So it gets a new sort of group, a new demographic of followers all the time. 
And that's that's a real blessing. But, you know, it was a 14 years of hard work to get uh, that. Yeah, blessing. it wasn't like you're lucky you did the no, work. <laughs> no, even yeah. before putting it out in the individual, the independent release, I spent six months researching every single independent bookstore in the world. Wow. And then when it, the independent release came out, I emailed them all individually so it wouldn't go to spam to let them know of its availability. But the mob that I had um, published that through, it was set up so it was an overseas thing. So I'd done all that work and the book was like a $50 book so no one would buy it because wow. it was it overseas. was not, yeah, it was an overseas import thing. And, you know, so things like that. I had showed my commitment to life okay. to get my message out there. I had showed, and you have to show life your commitment. So I'm certainly not judging people who are following systems that work for other people if mm. they're not sure what else to do. But I think the thing is to check in sometimes. This is a question I ask myself all the time. It really has helped me grow strong and confident and also then attract money in a way that brings me joy. And that is to say, so so I'm writing this novel at the moment. The other day I'm thinking, I hate this. Why did I start this process? It's so long. I just want to get on with my next idea and, you know, books take forever or they do with me and, you know, da-da-da and... And then I thought, okay, do you really hate this process because you chose to write a book because writing brings you joy? So do you hate writing or are you just resisting? And it was. Mm -hmm. I was resisting because I'd got to a point where I was learning something new and I was a beginner again. And I hated that feeling of knowing that I've got to keep remembering this new writing skill until it becomes natural, until it becomes mm. a habit. And so I was resisting that newness and that learning and being a beginner, but it wasn't because I actually hated it. And so there's there's two feelings of sometimes when you're doing something and you're not enjoying it. So what I ask myself is, am I not enjoying it just because I'm resisting the growth or am I not enjoying it because I'm actually doing the wrong thing here? Mm. that I'm not honouring my joy. I'm not actually doing what my heart really wants me to do. And so then I can stop and check in and think, yeah, okay, I could do that, but it's not my heart's not fully into it. And, yeah, and so I really just question, is it resistance or is it the wrong direction? I love that question. That's a real good tune-in question. You can use it. I love it. Thank you. I love that. I'm like, everybody write that down unless you're driving, pull over. <laughs> That's a great question. You're right, because there is things that feel crappy and we don't want to do it, like looking at our thoughts or, you know, mm. writing a book. It does, I don't I am not I don't love writing a book either. So uh, it's a pain in the ass. It's hard work. It feels like it's never going to end. And it's I hate huge. sitting <laughs> like I have to take my nails off. It's all the things. OK. <laughs> These, these first world problems of mine. But it, when you do it, obviously, after it's like, of course, you want to get your work out into the world. And it's amazing. But it's a beautiful question to ask yourself. And I think that uh, anybody listening to this, you know, really tapping into that inner voice and that intuition and that truth for you. And it sounds like all the turns you took were all the right ways, even if they felt like the wrong ways, because they lead you to understanding what you have now and who you are and what you want to do. You know, it's like we don't get to get to this amazing point without going through the the hard times or going through mistakes or doing things that we shouldn't have done in order to get to where we want to be. 
Yes, exactly. I mean, it's the only way we get to know what what we want is through making mistakes, and that's how mm. that's how we learn. And so we have to try the wrong ways a few times before we actually have the courage to to go the right way. Yes, yeah. yes. So you have spoken to some of the most amazing and incredible people around the world, beautiful mentors, and amazing um, people who, like Wayne Dyer. I'm just like, oh my god, Doctor Dyer, we love you. Um, yeah. Who would you say in your life has been someone who's impacted you or given you a great lesson that you've looked up to? Um, well, my mum's pretty full of fun. Her name's mm. Joy. Oh, wow. Um, there's some things about the way she's lived her life I certainly have, am trying to improve on, but I do love that she puts joy as a priority in, in wow. terms of the feeling of joy and the experience, like she doesn't take life too seriously. Mm. She just, you know, refuses to to let things get her down for long and stuff. So nice. in terms of life direction, I'd have to say my mum, I'm really blessed by her. Mm. My gran was pretty strong. She was like the oldest of 11 kids and her mum died wow. when she was 13. So she wow. raised the other she 10 like kids the wow. and then had seven kids of her own. Um, so she was pretty fierce but also really accepting. Um, but I think, you know, there's a lot of amazing people out there. I think anyone who does it their own way is yeah. someone I, I respect and look up to. But I, I think the, probably the the most significant conversation I've had in recent times was with Dr John Martini, mm. and I was so so blessed and he's promoted my work a lot as Wayne Dyer did as well and a lot of people do and um, Marie Folio as well and I think when they actually meet me they're a little bit surprised because I'm just like I'm just Bronnie I'm What's you know <laughs> yeah 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 I'm just like uh, yeah but, you know I, I sort of wonder if sometimes I'm not a bit of a disappointment because I oh. you know there's been there was there was one person who promoted my work a lot and she was really well known and when she met me she was so excited and and then I actually let her know that sometimes I struggle with being known in the public you know that yeah, yeah. that being a famous person isn't actually um, a dream it's actually mm. something I navigate and I honour because life has bestowed this important message of regret-free living on me. And so I honour that. That's a deal I've, I've done, that I'll honour it as long as life looks after me, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's not been my sort of craving thing to to be that well-known. And so when I let this particular person know that, I think I just went right down in her books as being like not the big Bronnie wear on a pedestal feeling um and it's it's quite interesting to observe it because I've actually observed it a few times in really well-known people where they're just like I'm gonna see Bronnie Ware you know and yeah. <laughs> then they meet me and I'm just a regular person who's not caught up in the fame and the success and yeah, yeah I think it sort of deflates their balloon around me a little bit and I'm all right with that because I'm, yeah. I'm living the life I want and I'm exactly. not gonna have regrets this is like your superpower to me I'm like I love that because I yeah I think yeah. it's beautiful. You just want to be happy and live your life. It doesn't have to be private jets. And if it is cool, but it does, you know, it's just. Yeah, exactly. Real, if it is cool, whatever. Humble as hell, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Without keeping myself held back as well. Exactly. You know, it's, it's, yep. a, it's a balance. But I think this conversation I had with John Martini was just 
so timely and wonderful. And and I basically just sent him an email, said, look, a friend of mine said, you're always promoting my work. Thanks heaps. You know, I'm glad you relate to my book. And he got in touch and said, let's get on Skype together and have a chat. And so we did. And I basically, he asked me a bit about my life and stuff, but I basically just pumped him full of questions, <laughs> like business yeah, questions. He's pretty damn good at what he does. Oh, he's brilliant. It's yeah. like, how do you run your business? How do you do this? How do you do that? And he just gave it all to me freely. And, oh, you know, so we were on good. Skype for a good while and an hour or so. And, and it just changed the way I looked at myself. I think um, I've kept myself small because of my commitment to simplicity yeah. and, uh, you know, I've had conversations with you and plenty of other really inspiring people who have helped me see that you can have all of that and, you know, because you outsource, you, you get your team and yeah. you get them to do the stuff. But there's a gap in between that, you know, from when you, you can be in that position where you've got full operations going with a, with your, your an amazing huge team, you know, there's a transition to get there. And I don't know, I just feel like the way that John works is he only does what he wants to do now. Mm. He doesn't even, he doesn't do accounts, he doesn't do emails, he doesn't do, and he sat down and worked it all out very statistically. How much time am I spending on this? How much is it making me? And it took him a year and a half, he said, from doing that to build his team, and he's, he's got a team of 22. For me, wow. that feels like I don't want a team that big. But when I said that to him, he said, I don't have the team. My my um, human resources people have that team. I have my assistant and I have two or three other people I deal with. Yeah, wow. And, like, he's still connected to his whole team, but he doesn't have the responsibility of They're not if his someone children. quits, rehiring. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and it, it was really good for me, um, even though my model and my aspirations are different. Yeah. It, re- it just helped me let go of a lot of resistance to growth. And so I'm, I'm very grateful to him for his time in that and, and for just, you know, handling all my questions yeah. which I was just, bleh, 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 you know. but you know I will say to you when you do the work that you do and you created that book and it took you a while to to make that vision and to share what you learned and to write it and to pull the stories together and to be rejected 25 freaking times if you're listening to this and you're like someone said no to me it's like listen girl or boy, yes. whoever you are, like 25 times and then to still go off and do it. And then for them to come back on the day you're birthing, Elena, and, and yeah. this happened. I mean, you know, I really acknowledge you because that is the work. Like people don't see all of that and, and how hard it is and how much you try and, and, and you try to build your thing. And then finally, when it comes out, we only get to see the celebration and the success and the best selling and the, you know, yeah. sticker that says a million plus copies sold. And yeah, and the you know, for, yeah, exactly. And then for him to, to share that with you is because you've impacted and you've done so much in your work to help globally help people around the world and you know you you only attract that because you are that back you know and I know you know that but I just think it's it's a beautiful kind of gift from the universe to send these amazing people that so many of the listeners and myself you know look up to to go hey thank bro, you. this is what yes. you need to do you know like how amazing yeah exactly and, and yeah. thank you yeah um and and that's right I mean I see myself on the same level as them and yeah. him, a lot of those people 
sometimes and then other times I have to grow back into it again. Yeah, yeah. Know? And that's all I hear fine. You. Yeah. I hear you. I'm like, me and Oprah are the same. I could totally help Oprah. Like, yeah. of course. And then I'm like, just not a lot of people know about me yet. So it's like. You got to do the work. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But I think it's, it's freaking amazing and beautiful. So what is next for you? You're in this new journey of this next book. Yes. Um, what has been one of your biggest, scariest lessons with this book? And, and what has been one of the most incredible and amazing things that has happened so far in this I, I just love that I've created a story out of my imagination. Oh, yeah. um, that, you know, and it may, I've created a, a whole world. And when I'm working on that, that book, I feel it's very believable. And that, that's a buzz. That's just yeah. like, oh, you know, and like if I have a break, I think I wonder how they're getting on. And then it's like, oh, actually, yeah, they're only in my imagination, those people. <laughs> No one else has met them yet. I love that. Yeah. And and I do love the idea of putting out this fiction fictional work, but I've done it more because I wanted to see if I could. It was more that that I wanted to see what I was capable of with it. And I'm not sure that I want to do another book after that. I you know, books are big projects and they've really got a knock on my door for a, a long time before I let them in, you know, mm. and, and then it's like, okay, right. Banging on work. there. <laughs> because it's not just the creation, then it's the editing, you know, and working with the publishers and then the, you know, the release. And it's just, it goes on forever. So this book probably won't hit the shelves for two years. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's underway. Funnily enough, the ideas of what I want to work on next go back to my photos and quotes, my nature photos and inspirational quotes, which is where it all started. And so I'm starting to put some plans in place next year on how to, how to monetize those in a way that will be gorgeous for my audience, but also um, financially great for me, because I, I want to get out onto acreage and I, you know, I own a lovely sweet little house here but I grew up on 300 acres and I don't want to go back to that area because it never rains there, but I do know an area that I want and and I basically just miss having a country sky. I miss that openness where you see sunrise to sunset Mm. without anything in the way and I was very blessed to grow up like that and so the area that I want to move to is is significantly expensive and... um, and that's okay because I it's making me think more creatively now. Like, yeah. okay, it's not enough just to to live well off my books. It's like, okay, I need to get some products out there. But this is what I kept coming back to, make your profession what you love. And so I've been thinking about ways to do that. And, yeah, I just find that um, photography is, is one of my joys and, um, and I'm also thinking a little bit more about video photography, you know, yeah, like nature yeah. videos are like just, yeah, I don't That's know. Beautiful. I, I, yeah, it's yeah. it's going to, I'm going to just keep honouring my creativity because it's the creativity that is is one of my greatest joys in my work. Yeah. Yes. And that's the answer, right? It's like you honor that, you listen to that. I love making as well. I I think that that's one of the things that I enjoy. And when I feel like I, you know, we're very, at the time of recording this, we're in lockdown. It's been forever. Our country here is, the world's going through so much, but I feel when I live in my inner world, I feel uh, like so free. I feel so expanded. I feel like there's space and it's a fun world and I can make things and I can, 
be who I want to be. And I think that's the joy of standing in your creativity. And if you're listening to this and you don't identify as someone who's creative, we don't believe you. There is creativity in you. Okay. Just, you got to tap into it. Yes. Um, and like, as you hear Bronnie, it doesn't look the same for everyone. You know, it's, I also enjoyed taking photos in nature randomly, like taking a photo of a butterfly. And I'm like, I don't know if I'd ever show anyone that, or if I'd ever need to post it on my Instagram, but mm. it's the, those moments of presence, you know? And, and so one tip for someone out there who maybe is like, I don't feel so creative. I don't know how to listen to my intuition. What could you say to them if they're feeling stifled or lacking in creativity right now? I'd probably say, well, if you didn't have to think about money or responsibility for others or anything else like that, what would you like to do with your time? And, you know, if it's just like, I just want to have a cup of tea and watch a movie, I hear you, you know, I I get that. (laughs) But what if you'd done all those things? Like what little playful things would you like to do? And it could be I just want to spend more time cooking in the kitchen. I want to, you know, cook the things I want to cook. There's, that's creative. Or I wish I could spend more time in my garden. That's creative. I wish I could paint a rock, a pebble. That's creative. It doesn't have to be that that obvious. Um, mm. But I would just say also with the intuition and, and listening into tuning into that, it's a step by step process. It is a friendship that a relationship that you develop. The way it first spoke to me was by telling me what I didn't want, mm. and so the more you honour that, then the more it actually trusts you to say, okay, I'm being heard now, I'm going to speak louder until it becomes your best mate. Yeah. I love that so, so much. My friend, I love you. You are incredible and amazing. And I thank you for your existence and for the amazing work that you give to the world and for this time, because I know you don't do heaps of interviews. So I feel very blessed. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, thank you. So much gold, woman. Ugh. It's been my absolute pleasure. I I love how you show up in the world. I definitely could not show up in the world the way you do. And I, I just love that you do and have so much respect for you and admiration. And I, you know, I know that your audience are blessed by, by tuning into you and for your courage in, in just who you are, who you are and who you've become and who you're becoming. It's, it's beautiful to witness and to share that ride with you. So Big love back to you and to all of all of you incredible listeners. I was going to say women, but I'm sure there's a couple of good fellas that are listening yeah. as well. So to everyone who's tuned in today, I honour your time, you know, and, and I'm grateful to everyone who's listened to this beautiful conversation I've had. Mm, thank you, Bron. Where can we find you if people want to read these FAQs? <laughs> yeah, no worries. So it's it's Bronnie. It's spelled the same as Bonnie, but with an R in it. Bronnie Ware, as in warehouse, like W A R E. Bronnieware.com. It's all there. That's my mothership. Everything you can find. There's links to everything there. I'm on Instagram and and Facebook. And one of my assistants is on Pinterest for me. And um... <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we're outsourcing. Yeah, oh, yeah. Bronnie, I'm, I'm around. You. I'm there. You're the best, 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 best. Thank you so much. Everybody check the show notes. Everything will be in there. The links, the book. Can't wait to see this new book that is coming as well. Big love to you, woman. Thank you. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for listening. I love you. High five. 
You're the best. I appreciate it. Yes, I'm coming to you at the end of the podcast because I get, I don't know how many messages from y'all about joining the sisterhood, about working with me. How do I work with Erica? What do I do? How can I do this? I'm ready to action all the shit that she talks about in the podcast. If that is you, I want you to head to thequeenofconfidence.com forward slash sisterhood. Sister is S-I-S-T-A hood and check out the sisterhood. It is my year long coaching program for women who want to change their lives. Oh my God. I can't even tell you how good, how incredible and how amazing that tribe of women is. It will change your damn life. If you do the work, if you love this and you love my style, then please come on board. Cause I would love to coach you. I would love to welcome you into the sisterhood. I love you, girl. If you have questions, hit me up in the DMs. Hit me up, support at thequeenofconfidence.com. I got you. Thank you for listening, and I hope to see you in the sisterhood.